Coming up next on Studio Berlin. The Berlin Wall fell on November 9th, 1989. And leading up to the 30th anniversary, we are looking back at the soundtrack of these times and the power of music. Black Box right on time. That was a well time, wasn't it? <laughs> David Hasselhoff looking for freedom. I think dance music just started, hasn't it? Yeah. Then, you know what I mean? Late 80s, wasn't it? So. Ah, particular song now. Of course, techno is uh, directly connected to, to the time after the war broke down, like the club's Planet and Trezor. Wind of Change from the Scorpions, of course. I think that will do the best thing, Wind of Change. It was changing the time and think it was good. Up next on Studio Berlin, how music captured the spirit of freedom and united people in East and West Germany. Stay tuned. Welcome to Studio Berlin, our weekly current affairs show here on KCRW Berlin. I'm your host, Eric Kirschbaum. On November 9th, 1989, the most visible symbol of the Cold War fell after being in existence for 28 years. Just a year later, in October 1990, the two German states were reunited. We'll be dedicating the next two episodes of Studio Berlin to the 30th anniversary of the fall of the Berlin Wall. We can be heroes just for one day. In this episode, we'll discuss the power of music and how rock music influenced the zeitgeist of the late 1980s in East Berlin and West Berlin and how music captured the spirit of freedom and might have helped unite the people in East and West Germany. With me in the studio is Jochen Stadt. He's the leading researcher into the East German state at the Free University of Berlin. Hi, Jochen. It's good to have you here. Hi. Let's start with the year 1987. That was a special year in Berlin. The city was celebrating its 750th birthday. There were a lot of open-air concerts that summer, and some of them right next to the Berlin Wall at the Reichstag. They were called the Concert for Berlin. At the top of the show, we heard David Bowie's song Heroes, which he performed at one of those concerts, and I think he wrote that in West Berlin when he was living here. Did you see David Bowie playing at the Concert for Berlin? Yes, I was there far behind because it was very crowded, but we were there with some friends. There were very interesting aspects in, in, in this uh, concert. First, um, on the Western side, what he did was quite tricky. Um, he played songs or, um, uh, of Bertolt Brecht, um, the Alabama song. And the, Bertolt Brecht was uh, the, the best uh, author for East Germany. And they, the, uh, he, he, he had his own theater in the 50s, and it was still existing. The Brecht ensemble was uh, traveling around the world, and he played this Brecht song on the Western side. Uh, so they could not say he's an anti-communist. Uh, they could, they had no um, um, possibility in their propaganda to say something against him because he was playing um, this song. And um, on the eastern side at that time, uh, people come together and wanted to listen. And they started the um, police to push them back because they feared that they would break through the wall. They didn't want to break through the wall, but the German TV was there, the West German TV, and um, recorded that, that they blocked the people from listening to David Bowie. And that was then going around in the whole GDR because everybody watched West German TV. So this was a very political event 
for 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 them in East Germany, what what he did and what happened on the other side of the wall. And you were a researcher into East Germany, but you were not allowed to go to East Germany. You were persona non grata, I believe. Why why was that? Why were you not allowed to go into East Berlin? Well, we were researching um, in German literature uh, in the seventies about uh, East German literature. And um, there was one um, agent uh, in our uh, group who reported what we were doing, and they didn't like what we were doing because we were uh, researching the works of dissident authors. And um, so in 1980, um, I was blocked when I tried to visit um, uh, friends in East Berlin, and uh, that that uh, kept till '89, uh, but you still kept a close eye on what was going on in East Germany, right? You were watching East German television, East German radio. How else did you keep track of what was going on in East Berlin? Well, we had contacts to um, people who uh, came from East Germany, dissidents and oppositional people who were thrown out of the country. A lot of them lived in West Berlin at that time. They were a community. And we met and um, discussed about what they thought about the development and also the growing opposition in uh, in East uh, Germany uh, in the 80s. So um, it was a constant discussion uh, about these problems, what were going on behind the wall. And also we, we tried to organize solidarity um, for people who went into prison because they were um, writing oppositional songs or oppositional literature. Um, let's talk a little about the, um, the the East German government's fear of popular culture. Why why were they so worried about it? Why did they see it so, as so potentially subversive, especially rock music? Um, I found a dictionary definition that said from East Germany in the 50s, rock and roll originating in the USA it is an exaggerated form of boogie. It seduces young people to excesses. In West Germany, it serves as an instrument for psychological warfare that distracts young people from political issues. What was the East Germany so worried about, about rock music? You have to see that in the context of their thinking of the function of art. So they had a, a program that was called Socialistic Realism. And they wanted that in all the fields. They wanted that in paintings, in theater. They wanted it in music. And um, th this program was very dogmatic in the 50s. Um, and um, so they criticized, for example, Picasso for his paintings. They said he's thinking well because he was sympathizer of the Communist Party. But his paintings are um, uh, imperialistic, um, abstract um uh, paintings and uh, that's nothing what is uh, understandable for the working class. And the same um, thing happened in music, in, in classical music. But in uh, the, the popular music was for them um, um, a field where Western modernizing thinking comes into the country. It was, uh, they, they felt like this is a heat wave out of Western uh, lifestyle who comes to us and um, the party's leader, uh, Walter Ulbricht, in the 60s, he said, we don't need that yeah, yeah, yeah. We have not to copy anything what happens in the West. But the young people mm, um, were attracted by the Western music and they listened to the Western music. And true is that um, Western radio stations who wanted to send some informations to the youth in the GDR, they had special programs for them with um, popular music from uh, Western stars 
American uh, stars or English stars or West German stars. And in between uh, the, the music, they um, sent uh, um, propaganda. Mm-hmm. So there was some subver- subversive influence from the West then into East Germany, after all, coming with the music. Well, it was with the music. And when you see, um, we, we researched for the German TV um, some years ago, um, the influence of uh, TV and radio in both German states. And we found out, out of the statistics they had in East Germany, but they were not public, they were secret, that in 1976, 54% of the young people listened only Western radio stations. So mm. they were very, um, uh, it was for them a very bad result because the, their own radio stations were um, producing their own thinking, their propaganda about the society. But these young people were... Um, ideologically not anymore listening to them and they were emigrated in 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 the in the culture of the west already mm-hmm. i remember walking around east berlin in the in the 80s and on a cloudy day you couldn't see which way was west but if you looked up at the rooftops all the antennas were pointed west so you knew how to get back to checkpoint charlie just by looking at the rooftops and seeing which <laughs> way the antennas were pointed right. so we we definitely know things were changing in the 80s especially after 85 and you've mentioned um, you found uh, records showing um, secret surveys showing the number of East Germans wanting to leave, young East Germans, was rising dramatically after about 85. Um, and that seems to be one of the reasons why the SED let Bruce Springsteen play in Weiss and Say in 88, why they let big bands from the West come into East Germany in 88. Why was 1988 with all these big acts from the West, why did things suddenly change then? Why did the SED let those Western bands in that they had been denying all the years before? This has many reasons. One is one main reason for the people who had to decide uh, uh, who can play in East Berlin was that they wanted to show to their own young people, well, we we are not uh, stopping when you prefer Western music. Um, see, we are open to the world. That was their own um, propaganda. We are open to the world. And now, see, we let them come in and play, and you can listen to the music that you like. Um, another reason was that they had to accept by the process from, from the Helsinki, uh, beginning in Helsinki, um, and the West German and East German uh, contracts, they had to accept that the culture... Uh, like writers, uh, musicians, um, that they can exchange each other, that they can visit each other. Um, and uh, East German bands were playing in West Germany. West German bands started to play in East Germany. There was no problem um, at that time, only if they had uh, words in, in their songs who were criticizing something, what the people could, could feel is, is uh, directed to the regime of East Germany. Let's talk a bit about the Springsteen concert in Weissensee in 1988. Um, you weren't allowed to be there because you weren't allowed to go to East German, but I know you watched it on television and you saw the power and the energy of that concert. Um, officially, there was 150,000 tickets sold, but there was probably 300,000 people there, according to the Stasi records. What impact do you think that concert had on the people in East Germany? This was 16 months before the wall fell. Mm-hmm. Do you think that contributed to the wall falling a, a little over a year later? Yes, I think it showed to the people um, who were there and also those who watched it in TV, 
they, it showed uh, how big the mass of people is who have a feeling what was strange for the system. This music, they didn't like it. Uh, then they accepted it. They had to accept it. But this mass of people coming there, um, that was a, a signal um, of, of a changing uh, situation that they had to accept it. I, I um, spoke with people who were there. For example, one guy, they were in the National Army at that time. They left, uh, they left their, their uh, barracks in the night and went to Berlin to listen to the concert. And when they come back, they didn't get any problems because they had to accept it, even if they, as soldiers, yeah, were not allowed to leave the barracks in that night. So everything was changing in that time. And you mentioned also the, the number of people who demanded to leave the country was at, at that time over 100,000 people who had given their um, um, papers in uh, to the, the police stations and said, we want to leave the country, we want to go um, to West Germany. So th this was a big pressure, what was in the society at that time, and, and the concert showed how big it was. Right. There was only one music label in East Germany, and that was called Amiga, and Jörg Stempel was the head of it for a while. He actually brought out that Springsteen album, Born in the USA in East Germany in 1986. We had the chance to talk to him briefly about that as well. Amiga stood for popular music, from jazz to German Schlager to rock and pop music. By the end of the GDR, we had released 700 licensed records, from jazz icons to Bruce Springsteen. Would the fall of the wall been possible without rock music? Natürlich haben songs, texte. Of course, songs or lyrics left an impression, and also the atmosphere that emanates from an album, from a concert, influenced people's thoughts and their actions. But to make a direct connection, uh, to say, we listen to Born in the USA and run to the wall and tear it down, that's a little difficult to claim. But of course, rock music has always kept people moving, has always shaken them up, and has motivated people to become active. So were you also at the Springsteen concert? Of course. But what about when Springsteen said during the concert, I'm not here for any government. I've come to play rock and roll for you in the hope that one day all the barriers will be torn down. Did you get goosebumps? Of course, everyone had goosebumps. You're listening to Studio Berlin on KCRW Berlin. We're talking about memorable music events leading up to the fall of the Berlin Wall in the late 1980s. One, two. We'll be back after a short break, so stay tuned. Radio programs attract educated consumers and business decision makers. 
you can reach this highly desirable audience with your company's marketing message on KCRW Berlin. Isn't it time to make our listeners your customers? Find out how by emailing us at sponsorships at kcrwberlin.org or online at kcrwberlin.com slash sponsorships. Hey, you, you've been hearing and reading the news all day. So what are you getting out of it? Are you smarter, more informed, better prepared for your dinner party later tonight? Well, The Takeaway has you covered. We ask the tough questions, we hold lawmakers accountable, and if something just doesn't seem right, we ask, how did we get here? It's The Takeaway with me, Tanzina Vega. Tune in to The Takeaway weeknights at 6 on 104.1 KCRW Berlin. Welcome back to Studio Berlin. I'm your host, Eric Kirschbaum. In this episode, we're talking about what kind of role rock and roll played in bringing down the Berlin Wall 30 years ago and how music might have brought people together in East and West and Berlin afterwards. Jochen Stadt is with me in the studio. He's a leading researcher into the East German regime at the Free University of Berlin. Jochen, just before the break, we were talking about the Springsteen concert in 1988 in East Berlin. He spoke about his concert in East Berlin in this 2016 interview with Tibet Sina from public broadcaster WDR. Let's listen in. Certainly the show in East Berlin was a major moment for us, but it goes up as one of our greatest shows. Just the stakes that were involved. The band tends to play well when the stakes are very high. So we knew going into East Berlin at that time was rolling the dice quite a bit. And then the amount of people that showed up, I, I don't remember how many it was in the end, I, 160,000 or more, you know. I, but it was an epic evening for, for us, you know. And uh, uh, it just seemed like a, a very important show to play. So, and audience was unforgettable. So all these years later, Springsteen still seems fascinated by his experience in East Berlin, do you think he could have been in serious trouble for talking about bringing down the wall at that concert? We don't want to speculate, but what does your research show? Was the SED regime at that point really exhausted and ready to collapse? Well, they had no possibility to do something against uh, someone they had invited. Um, in, in former times, when, when something happened, um, they stopped the concert by um, cutting uh, the, the electricity, for example, but they wouldn't have done that uh, in that situation with 160,000 people outside. So I think for him, it's there was no real um, uh, problem uh, what could happen when he says something. And he, he said, in, in other words, that the barriers uh, should come down. Yeah, Right. So everybody understood that. We've been talking about the power of music, and so we can't leave out the techno music scene that was developed in Berlin as well. KCRW Berlin spoke with music journalist Tobias Rapp. He's the author of Lost and Sound, Berlin, Techno, and the EasyJet set. For lots of East German kids, it was the first, it was the soundtrack of this, of this transition. It was the first music that they could claim as their own music in, 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 a, new, in a new free country. Techno said, okay, we start from scratch now. Techno didn't have historical references. It was no music that, or at least it, it felt like this. It was a music that said, okay, forget everything that was 
forget every pop music that that you know this is new it was just a beat no lyrics no no references and that that felt felt right for a situation where you could see opportunities everywhere Jochen, what do you think about tobias rap's point of view well the music that uh, came was new at that time was was techno and it was um Uh, a music who what was what was backed and loved by people in the whole city. There was no difference between east and west. When when you saw the the love parade, everybody was taking part, and I think that was um, a kind of um, development uh, who brought together people. Um, and it had nothing to do with the time before. Um, there was no um, superior feeling by the one or the other sides. Everybody took part, and there was a uh, great time. Why people came to Berlin, I cannot explain that. I know why we went to West Berlin when we were young, because when you went to West Berlin, you had uh, to join the army. Uh, West Berlin In West Berlin was no army existing, because we had still the four allies ruling the, the top of the, of the city in East and West, and so um, no, uh, no uh, army was in West Berlin, and many people came there out, out of that reason. Later, it was, um, I think, um, it was a kind of uh, new situation. The city was still uh, in the eastern part, very, very, uh, uh, in the, the, the buildings were old. There was a strange situation. You could go everywhere in, in, in a basement and start a club, And, and that, that was very attractive for people from all over the world when they come here to see everything is possible. Thanks for joining me, Jochen. Jochen Stadt is a professor at the Free University of Berlin and he's a leading researcher into the East German state. Thank you very much. Um, we talked a lot about music. So Jochen, what song should we go out on? Is there a song that captures the fall of the Berlin Wall for you? Well, we we have a German song, if if I could suggest it, it's by Udo Lindenberg, and he's he, he produced it before the wall came down. It, it's called Mädchen aus Ostberlin, and he sings about his love to a girl from East Berlin and how he wishes to come together. And he uh, performed two days after the wall came down uh, in, in in West Berlin in in big um, hall. And um, no money was uh, taken by the East Berlinists who wanted to listen to him. Okay, great. Well, we'll play that song for you right now. <laughs> I'm your host, Eric Kirschbaum. Tune in next weekend for our second episode commemorating the 30th anniversary of the fall of the Berlin Wall. Until then, have a great weekend. Stell dir vor, du kommst nach Und da trinkst du ein ganz heißes Mädchen So ein ganz heißes Mädchen aus Pankow Und du findest sie sehr bedeutend Und sie dich auch Dann ist es auch schon so weit Dass ihr gerne zusammen seid Und ihr träumt von einem Rockfestival Auf dem Alexanderplatz Mit dem Panikorchester und einer Band aus Moskau 
sonst gibt's die größten Nerven, denn du hast ja nur Tagesschein. Das war wirklich schwer.